You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Now, Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I'd like to tell you the story of the season of Advent, which in effect is the whole story of the Bible. Advent means arrival or coming, and it should produce in us a a sense of great anticipation. There are two Advents in the Bible, and I don't have enough time to talk about both, so I'd like to talk to you about the first Advent. After God's first nation, or you could say his first church, Adam and Eve, fell, God told the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. It was a promise that one of Eve's children or offspring would destroy Satan and his powers of sin, evil, and ultimately of death itself. When Adam and Eve conceived their first son, Cain, Eve exclaimed, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. She thought Cain was to be the man that God spoke of, but he was far from it, and it was far too soon. So the descendants of Adam and Eve awaited the arrival of this man, a Messiah, an anticipated and expected future king, chosen specially by God to lead his people to salvation and to crush the head of the serpent, that is Satan, and all his works, especially death. Many generations later, we learn about a young shepherd boy, David, the son of Jesse. He was selected by God to be the king of his chosen nation, Israel. And God makes a a covenant, which is a contractual promise to David, saying this, I will make him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. David, though faithful, soon demonstrates that he is not perfect. And neither are any of his sons nor their immediate descendants. None of these kings of Israel and the house of Judah would be the man just yet. But the man would still come from the line of David as promised. So God always preserves a remnant in the Davidic line. As Isaiah explains, Hear then, O house of David, it is, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, that is David's father, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. After the life of Isaiah, the house of David would be taken into exile in Babylon. The final uh, true king on the throne of Jerusalem was a man named Jehoiachin. Now, Jehoiachin uh, 
is uh, taken into exile with uh, the rest of, uh, of Jerusalem and Judah. And there are some puppet kings on the throne, but he's the final king in the line of the true final king in the line of David before being taken into to exile in Babylon. And he is taken there. At the end of the book of Second Kings, the very final chapter and the final verses, we hear this. And in the 37th year of the exile, evil Merodach, king of Babylon, in the year that he began to reign, graciously freed Jehoiachin, king of Judah, from prison. And he spoke kindly to him and gave him a seat above the seats of the kings who were with him in Babylon. So Jehoiachin put off his prison garments and every day of his life dined regularly at the king's table. It's a sweet story. In other words, a remnant of the line of David is preserved so that the true king, David's greater son, long awaited, might be born. Indeed, in Matthew's gospel, in uh, chapter 1, in verse 12, Matthew explains this. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah, which is just another way and another spelling of Jehoiachin, was the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, etc., etc., onto Joseph, to Jesus Christ. A remnant is preserved in Israel. So that Jesus Christ, the son of Joseph, the son of David, the son of Abraham, the son of Adam, might be born, and he would be the one to crush the serpent. Now at 7.30, at least two people told me, well, he wasn't the biological son of Joseph. Stop thinking about it like white Americans, okay? <laughs> You've got to think about it biblically. He's, in the, he's the shoot of the stump of Jesse in the house. He's in the house in the line of David. And this works in God's economy. That's all we need to know. Matthew chapter 2, the next chapter, cites a, a prophecy from Micah related to this message, which we read this morning. Uh, Matthew cites only a couple of verses. I'm going to read to you the full uh, version from Micah once again. But you, a Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. From Bethlehem, the city of David, will come Israel's hope, Jesus Christ, who is the true shepherd king. We learned from uh, the Micah passage some of his traits. He is like a shepherd to his sheep, his people, who will dwell securely with him because he brings them peace. He stands firm in the strength and majesty of the Lord, and his royal reign will be eternal forever. This is not only good news for Israel, it's good news for us. It's good news for all who are harassed and helpless in this life. I want to tell you another story. This is a contemporary story, and trust me for now that it relates. It'll seem like a deviation, 
but I'm going to, to weave them back together in just a few minutes, okay? So remember all that I've said about Advent. Do you know who Penn and Teller are? The um, Las Vegas magic comedy act? Teller's the shorter guy who doesn't talk, and uh, Penn is the, about, about, about a foot taller and 200 pounds heavier, a gregarious guy. Well, uh, Penn, whose last name is Gillette, uh, uh, he, he made a video online a few years ago about an encounter he had with a man who was called to come up and participate in their, their act. And, and this is the story of what happened afterwards. That man uh, tried to, as he says, proselytize him because Penn Gillette is an outspoken atheist. He says, not only do I, believe, uh, do I not believe in God, I believe there is no God. He's that hardcore of an atheist, as he explains it. Um, well, so here's the article explaining it. Gillette was signing autographs after a show when he noticed the man's standing over to the side of the crowd. The man walked over to Gillette, complimented him on the show, and handed him a Gideon's New Testament. And Gillette says, and he said, I wrote in the front of it and wanted you to have this. I'm kind of proselytizing. And then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm sane. I'm not crazy. And he looked me right in the eyes. It was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. But he was not defensive, and he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes. <laughs> That's important to him. And talked to me and then gave me this Bible. And then Gillette goes on to explain that he doesn't respect people who do not proselytize. Isn't that interesting? He says, I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and a hell and people could be going to hell or, or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? If I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it and that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. Toward the end of the video, you can't see it here from what I'm reading, but if you watch it, and by the way, it's like on his cell phone or his laptop and he's some, in some crummy room that looks like a den or something and he's really scraggly looking. But this incident was so important to him that he felt like putting this video online. And what you can't see here in my reading is toward the end as he starts to get emotional. He's, he's visibly holding back tears. Something compelled him to make this video. What was it? I'm convinced that someone like Gillette is troubled and in need of help. Deep down, I'm convinced that we're all troubled and in need of help. And I know this because we will all eventually die. Our culture denies death, tries to hide it, but deep down we know it's a reality. A truck called death is coming at us and is bearing down on all of us. As Micah explains, the Messiah is a shepherd like his ancestor David. Thus, we are all like his sheep. And some have gone astray, and some are in desperate need of help. As Matthew explains in his uh, ninth chapter, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, 
He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The pendulettes of the world are harassed and helpless. The man that gave Pendulet the Bible could see this. He could see that he was like a sheep without a shepherd. And he approached him with compassion and sincerity. I mean, look at the number of times that he said he looked me in the eyes. This wasn't just a project. He had compassion on the man and said, this is the message that you desperately need to hear. Many of us are like sheep without a shepherd too. But the shepherd king has come. He has compassion on his sheep who will dwell securely with him forever because he brings them peace and the strength of the Lord. Perhaps in the midst of this season between Thanksgiving and Christmas, uh, there's a sort of blue note for you that can often be the case for people. Or maybe just generally speaking, at some level you are harassed and in need of help. What is it for you? The people of Jerusalem at the time of Micah the prophet felt harassed and helpless too. The Assyrian army had just destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel. They had taken over most of Judah, including Bethlehem. And they were at the gates of Jerusalem, wondering if the Assyrians would siege them and take over Jerusalem. This is the context that Micah was living in. Would the Lord provide? Is there any hope? Micah tells them of a blessing and a hope to come in a good shepherd. So for you who are now or will be one day harassed and helpless, hear this. Hear these words of comfort, O sheep of the shepherd. Which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Let us respond to the voice of our good shepherd, the long-awaited Messiah. We have no more reason to be harassed. We are not helpless, even in the face of death. Our shepherd gives us his strength and security and peace forever. And this has been his plan from the beginning. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. 
Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.